The following aviation podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast by thepilotreport.com about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode number 37, Jester is Dead, Corporate Flying, Girls, 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 and more coming up now on this edition of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now, here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Rick Felty, Carl Valeri, and Len Costa. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this edition of the Stuck Mike Avcast, episode number 37. I'm your host today, Len Costa, and joining me on the call is my favorite group of aviation jesters. Starting with the first fool of the day, it's Carl <laughs> Valeri. How you wow. doing, Carl? I'm doing great. I didn't realize I was a fool today, but uh, hey, can I be Maverick instead of Jester? Because Jester dead. Jester's dead. Well, you know, that's and a good point, Jester. For those Av geeks out there, they'll know what I'm talking about. They yeah. sure will. <laughs> uh, Carl, where are you joining us from today? I am actually in sunny Florida, and one of those days that we actually had clouds for half of the day. It's incredible, but it's uh, it's nice to be back here. Uh, actually, this week, I spent almost my whole time in a simulator. I was doing my recurrent training, and I am so happy to be out of there. It was fun. It was interesting, but it's too stressful, I think. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm done with that. I can fly for another year, so I'm happy. It was real, and it was fun, but it wasn't real fun. No, no. But, I, you know, it was fascinating because I got to do some something new. Uh, I uh, was trained to do RNAV approaches, and that's something that uh, at the airline I work for, we uh, all are getting trained to do, and eventually all of us will be able to do RNAV or GPS-type approaches into all the different airports. So that was fun. Right, it was yeah. interesting to learn. It's a, yeah, it was a few different little twists. It's, it's kind of similar to doing a regular GPS approach like Garmin like in the G1000, but uh, just a few few different things, but pretty much the same thing. It was fun. Oh, yeah. You know what's funny is that in, in the small planes that I fly, I actually can go down to 200 feet uh, on an LPV approach. We actually can't do a, you know, a, an, an approach to LPV minimums, only LNAV minimums. True, true. Because usually, obviously, we use the, the, the ILS and that type of thing. But mm -hmm. uh, I, I thought that was kind of cool and uh, that we, we actually finally got trained for this. But I tell you, once I got stuck and I saw a Cessna go in before I could get in, I had to wait and wait, wait till the, the weather cleared. <laughs> and I was sitting there waiting. It was pretty embarrassing. Here I'm in an airliner circling and the Cessna gets in before me. The Cessna gets in. Well, it's an interesting tool because the future, uh, the future for our type of aviation is going to be an RNAV arrival to an RNAV approach. And you're basically at 36,000 feet going to follow the glide slope all the way down to the runway here in the near future. So it's, it's, it, I'm, it's pretty cool to see the way it's developing. Um, yes. So moving on to uh, Victoria. Hello. Welcome. It's about time. <laughs> yeah, you, all right. Steal the microphone. <laughs> well, I am calling from my house. And at first I was really bummed because the view out my window is now very dark. And all the leaves are off the trees. But what's really cool today is that I'm high up enough I can see the Frederick Airport beacon. And now that all the you mean now that all the leaves fell off, you could see yeah. through. That's cool. Wow. I can see the green and white flash and kinda cool to be recording the podcast and see, see that. The beacon. Cool. <laughs> Very fun. Very fun. And uh, we our favorite co-host whom we missed last week, on uh, last episode, Rick Felty, is joining us yes. once again. Uh, we understand you fared pretty well through Hurricane Sandy, even though we did miss you on the last call. Yes, uh, we we were ready for all sorts of things. And I think based on where we were, we, we got lucky. And there was spotty stuff here, but we didn't have a big problem. A little bit of uh, basement pumping, but th that happens sometimes just because it's Thursday. <laughs> it's so, true. So yeah, we were very, we felt very lucky, especially seeing what everyone else has had to go through. So uh, right. yeah, pretty tough. Well, glad to have you back. Yeah. And uh, like I said, I'm your host, Len Costin. I'm joining y'all today from yet another location out here in San Luis Obispo, California, where the sun is shining and it's 80 degrees. And nice. I don't think I'm ever moving east again. Let's do the pre-flight. 
Carl, uh, with a quick announcement, actually. Uh, one that we did talk about on the last show, but a sort of an add-on. Uh, tell us what you tell us what's going on, today, Carl. Well, last show I mentioned that we have the Sebring U.S. Sport Aviation Expo coming up in January, January seventeenth through twentieth, uh, and that's two thousand. Uh, 12 year, excuse me, 13. And uh, boy, you know, that's a, such a neat show. It's all light sport. It's an expo. It's not so much an air show, but this year they're going to have one. And uh, the one thing about this show is that they've asked Sun and Fun Radio to go over there and provide the live radio show just like they do at Sun and Fun. Well, uh, just today I was uh, invited to be one of the uh, correspondents for Sun and Fun Radio and one of the announcers. So if you folks are going to U.S. Sport Aviation Expo in Sebring. I'll be there. I'll be on the mic and stop by, say hi from uh, Stuck Mike Avcast and uh, Sun and Friend Radio. And if you can't make it, go to sunandfun.org. You can listen to it online, live, by Live ATC. They're the folks uh, that are bringing the band with there. Great. That's awesome news. So, uh, so we'll be representing once again at another Sun and Fun event. I like to hear that. Yes, yes. We can represent. Don't tell, don't tell anybody else. <laughs> don't tell anybody else. <laughs> Uh, that's too funny. Um, well, hopefully we'll have some of the other Stuck Mike Avcast crew there. They're all invited. Hopefully they'll stop by. And we'll get to grab you and grab a mic and come talk. That's right. Because yet again, we still have not been anywhere, all four of us together. Uh, <laughs> speaking of which, Rick, you yeah. did miss on the last show, uh, we were talking about the Dubai Air Show. And that's yeah. where we're planning was- on all four of us meeting up. <laughs> I was editing the show and I heard that and uh, I thought, wow, that makes so much sense. Yeah. It's just Something you know, convenient. Notes. Exactly. Right. For all right. four of us. Nice. Fantastic. <laughs> I think they would give us free rides over there just for the for the publicity. Hey, very, we'll have yeah, to, we'll have to hit them up for that. Contact their tourism department. Exactly. Since, uh, since we haven't heard anything from Greenland, I'm going to move over to Dubai and maybe they want to yeah. have us out and uh, right. exactly. do a special event. But, cool. okay. Now entering cruise flight. Uh, great. Uh, well, today we've actually going to take a, you know, like we occasionally do, a deviation from the usual uh, show topics and discussions. And uh, we've got a special guest who we'd like to, uh, who we're going to be spe- speaking with today. And uh, Carl did a bunch of legwork actually to get the special guest. And so I'm going to hand uh, hand the podium over to Carl. And Carl, let us know uh, who, we, who are we going to talk to today? Well, you know, Len. First, before I, I actually, you know, spring it on everybody who we have here. One of the one of the reasons that we we have uh, the special person with us today, and, and Victoria can back me up on this, is that, you know, one day when I was flying, I, I heard somebody look up at the first officer and say, "Look, Mom, a girl pilot." And I said mm-hmm. to myself, "Wow, what a paradigm shift!" And and you know, there's not that many people out there that that realize that there there's there's a lot of women female pilots out there. Not a lot in the airlines. But today we have with us someone really special who is a pilot and also served in the military and recently was on the, uh, the Huffington Post. She was the Huffington Post greatest person of the week. And wow. her name is Linda Meeks. Linda Meeks with uh, Girls with Wings. Linda, welcome to Stuck Mike Avcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is it's it's just terrific to have you here, and I, and and what I just uh, actually finally got to read that article on there, and for some reason I couldn't get it up there on the online, but it's uh, that was a really good article they did about you. It's it's amazing the the path that you've had uh, in your aviation career, and you know I think what's interesting too is that is your is your your voice and the fact that you've been able to really inspire so many young girls and and women everybody of all ages to go into aviation and look at it at the possibility, but not just for flying, but just making them realize they can do anything. And, and you know, I really commend you for that's That's awesome. I think that's terrific. Uh, you know, it's, it's nothing that I created. I'm just the conduit. This, you know, the, the universe is speaking through me. No, I'm just kidding. You know, the message is always there. You know, I, somebody just had to put a voice to it. Well, Linda, you know, just a, a quick review. I know, um, you've told me before why you got into aviation and why you got into flying. And, and I think it, it's a pretty, pretty unique, uh, unique thing. But I, you know, one other thing I didn't realize is that uh, you, like me, you're afraid of heights. Is that true? Yes, I am. Yeah, they, well, know, they mentioned that in the Huffington Post article, <laughs> which was funny. But I, somebody has to do a study to see how many pilots are afraid of heights because I know that I've met quite a few pilots that are. And it's okay in an airplane or a helicopter or whatever because you've got an engine. But I cannot climb to the top of a ladder to save my life. 
Oh gosh, and I, I'm there with you. I have a tough time. I can't even. I can't go clean the gutters. I can't do do any of that type of stuff. It's just, <laughs> it, it's it's scary. And then I get in an airplane and I'm fine. And you know what's interesting is I usually don't realize how high up I am until I'm in a helicopter. I, I did some helicopter flying. And I, it's like that last few feet I realize, oh, my gosh, or maybe the last 20 to 30 feet where I really realize how, how high off the ground I am and, and I'm up there. Now, what's interesting is it seems like that's one of the ways you got your start in aviation. Just if you quickly, briefly uh, brief us on, uh, you know, why you got into flying. I, it's, it was such a fluke thing because I did not want to grow up being a pilot at all. Never even thought about it. But uh, I've always been a little bit stubborn. And so I had actually joined ROTC, and that in itself is a long story, but I had been in Army ROTC during college, and at the end of the time that you put into ROTC is when you get to put in what your wish list is for the different jobs that you can have in the military. And I mean, after a couple of years of riding around in helicopters and having the pilots kind of wink and nudge like, yeah, you know, we really need more women pilots. I'm not kidding you. It did not make an impression on me. And I, I mean, I'm always the one who says, you know, tell me no. And that's exactly what I want to do. And so sure enough, I'm filling out that wish list. And I had military intelligence on there first because I wanted to be a spy. Um, and then uh, somebody said to me, you know, unless you put aviation first, you're never going to get it because it's the hardest branch to get into. And I went, Oh, really? It's the hardest? Oh, okay. And uh, put it there first in line. And six months later, I was at flight school. Wow. Uh, that's pretty inspirational. Well, in uh, getting your helicopter license, what was the toughest part of it? You know, because I know I've tried to hover and I've been able to do it every so often with success for about three seconds. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking that's probably the toughest thing to learn in a helicopter. It really, when I was uh, undergoing flight training, the first thing that you do is, well, and this was back um, in 1993, so I'm sure things have changed a lot since then, but our instructors were civilians that had, um, for the most part, learned to fly to go over to Vietnam. So they had a they had a very interesting teaching technique, which usually involved four-letter words and, and gestures. And so that was just not what I was used to. And, and basically what you would do is, is you would go out to a big open field. The instructor would get the helicopter to hover, and they'd say, okay, your controls. And you'd just put your hands on the controls. And, you know, it, the time decreased from the time that they let go of the controls until you were wildly out of control. But you just sat there daily and just started this pendulum shift. Because the trick to flying a helicopter is you have to have the controls in balance. You have a cyclic that moves you forward and backwards, right and left, and then the collective, which moves you up and down. And then you have your pedals, which are the anti-torque for the main rotor. So those can never be in perfect balance. And of course, you know, you've got the wind and, and all of that. So you have to make minor corrections all of the time. And the problem is, is when you're learning how to do it, you don't recognize those changes and stave them off when they're small. You end up doing this pendulum effect where you're, you're, you know, you need a 50 yard area clear because you're going forward and then, oh, you correct it and you're going back and then forward. And finally the instructor would grab the controls away and say some choice words and then you try it again. And you did that until you found the hover button, which was always this joke because there's literally no way to teach somebody how to hover. You just have to figure it out and it will come in the blink of an eye and all of a sudden you're hovering. That's, a, that's all it is. So you're really just letting people go on their own to learn how to, to get that hover button, as you said there. I, I, I had a hover button for a few seconds. I, at least I thought I did. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that it really is tough. It's like, I just can't, I still haven't gotten used to it. One of these days I will. Uh, it just costs a lot of money to get into to do it as a civilian. And now you were in the military, and then you decided to transfer from the military. Uh, but before we go on to that, what uh, one thing I noticed is, you know, when I go out to the base um, and I see a lot of helicopter, well, I guess pilots in general, there's not quite as many uh, female pilots. Were, were uh, there many in your class? No, I was always, uh, no, I had, um, usually I was the only woman in training, although I will say when I was in basic combat skills, I actually had another female stick buddy, which caused, you know, great consternation among all of the other uh, pilots, but 
for the most part, I would say that I've always been the only female in training, and that's and, military or civilian. And you know what you mentioned a few, but what what's some of the biggest challenges? I guess since you know you basically are a minority there amongst other people. Is there? Did you feel that you uh, did you feel like you were either out of place, uh, or did you feel uncomfortable at all, or did you get any pushback from the other pilots? Well, I would say part of my problem initially in the military was my own fault because I'm a crier, and so it's not it's not so much that uh, people were being mean to me. It's just that I, I am such a type A personality driven. You know, I want perfection, and to not have that was very frustrating. And the harder I tried, the more frustrated I got, and I would eventually cry. So. I was the only person in class crying. I can guarantee you that. Although, you know, other people I'm sure were just as frustrated. So I think that was a little bit on me. I, I really tried hard to uh, do the best job that I could and not fall behind. And um, one of the uh, people in my, you were simultaneously also going through officer training as well. And, and there was a guy there that had been a pilot before, but was in my officer training. And I was telling him that I just was never going to get this. I could never figure it out. And he said, he said, Linda, you got to just relax. You know, you're in the same place as everybody else, but your problem is, is you want to understand the whole picture. Learn what they're trying to teach you now and only that. And if you just memorize the answer, that's all you have to do. Just ease up for heaven's sakes. And it really kind of freed me up a little bit to not worry about it so much, to not prove myself so hard. That sounds like good advice. Now, the flying the helicopters, that seems pretty darn cool. What what type of helicopters did you actually fly? I only ever flew the Huey. Uh, we were doing that. That was the uh, training aircraft that we had back at Fort Rucker. And then while I was still in training, they actually passed the regulation where females could get into combat helicopters. And so I was visited personally because I was just about ready to track my next aircraft. You do the Huey for the initial training, and then you can go on to the Chinook or the Black Hawk or whatever. So they were like, hey, you can fly the Apache now. And I really did say, listen, I don't feel like I have the Huey down left down yet. I think I'll stay in the Huey. And they really made a push for that. And that, and unfortunately, that was one of the uh, cold water in the face moments was actually the uh, branch manager from the Army who I was talking to, who was a female. You know, after I told her I'm still trying to get this down and really trying hard and, you know, just very motivated. And she said, well, you know, the only reason you're here is because you filled a quota. And I, I just, <laughs> it just... I, I mean, sometimes the truth hurts, you know, because I'm sure it was true. But I just thought, then why am I trying so hard? If I got a free pass, you know, why is it so hard? And it, it just, I don't know, uh, it, probably something I needed to hear. But, uh, boy, it was a shock. Wow. That, that, and and that, that kind of takes the wind out of your sails. But, uh, but you know, I I think that what's great is that you've taken that and you've made yourself really strong. Uh, I think that's really, I think, defined you and you've been able to move forward. And, you know, you've, you've made, you have had a really terrific impact on so many, so many people. And one of the reasons is that I, I think you could have just sat back and, and said, okay, that's, that's the way life is. And, but you, you didn't, you decided to do something else. I mean, you, you actually went out and you wanted to tell your story and tell people, you know that yeah, you can do it. And if if you're a girl and you want to fly, you you can fly. Even though there's not that many people out there that are airline pilots right now, it's growing. And mm -hmm. you know, like a lot of people say, it's been doubling. But you started this thing, uh, Girls with Wings. What what is Girls with Wings again? Uh, well, it's a nonprofit organization to encourage more girls to have an interest in aviation. And uh, because again, only. Somewhere between 6 and 7% of licensed pilots are women, and only 3% of those have their ATP. So, And that's that's remained unchanged for the last, what, 90 years? So the ratio has always been the same, which is odd because women are just as capable of being pilots as, as men are. We just – it's this concept that we have, this preconception that it's a male-dominated world. It, it definitely is. I mean, literally – 
literally and figuratively. So one of the things that um, I found way back when, when I was in the army was I was trying to buy things with airplanes on it for my niece, just like the things that I was buying for my nephews. And I couldn't ever find anything. So the entrepreneur in me started making things and it didn't stop there because what ended up happening is as I'm selling these things and talking about this to people, my fellow pilots, et cetera, there was always more to it. We'd always start talking and, and start going into, well, why aren't there as many women pilots? You know, the, the lack of aviation themed merchandise is just really kind of a symptom of the entire disease. Okay. So what are we going to do about it? And you've brought these products forward that really do get girls inspired to fly and uh, and and people of all ages but i you know what's really cool i love the logo it's that and and you can find that what is that girls at uh girlswithwings.com they can Correct. find that so if mm-hmm. they're listening right now go ahead and pull it up hey if you know if you're driving though don't take <laughs> out your iphone and start looking wait till you stop <laughs> you know to hit pause and then you can stop and look it up but this is it's such a cool website it's really inspiring and and i i think that the the one other thing that i really liked about it was when I was searching through it, I saw saw this little book here with this this girl waving her hand, and her, her name is Penelope Pilot, and uh, it says Penelope Pilot in her first day as captain, and it's actually a book that you wrote, and uh, it, it was actually I, I actually read it, and I thought it was pretty cool, and you know what what inspired you to do that to, to well, that, write that book? That's just always been. Uh, it's really nice to have T-shirts, but I think things need to go deeper than that, and and uh, um, for example, I brought my niece to the Kalamazoo Air Zoo uh, last week. And uh, they had... Love that I brought, place. I know. I brought my three nieces there and they loved it. But my oldest niece was fascinated with the SR-71. She absolutely loved it. And uh, so I've been trying to encourage that. And in fact, we were walking around the store and I'm kind of like, do you want anything? Do you want anything? Do you want this model of the Blackbird or anything like that? And it was just... It's so boyish. I'm... I know that's stereotyping. I know you can't really say that a model of airplane is boyish or girlish, whatever, but it was just kind of utilitarian, you know, and I'm not saying it had to be pink and sparkly or anything for her, but you know, so any, so anyways, for as, as far as the book goes, I mean, again, it's nice to have the t-shirts, but I think more of the message needed to get out there about girls being pilots and all the time, you know, we've had the booth at Oshkosh and, and I'm signing the books for people and, I, and when I suggest it to somebody, they might say, well, I only have sons or grandsons. And I tell them it's not a book for girls, just for girls. It's a book about a girl who happens to be a pilot. So can we not like encourage our boys to grow up knowing that girls are pilots too? Makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. Gosh. And, and that's why it's for children ages about five to 11, right? Is that about yeah. right? Five to mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that the, it's it's something that I would give to any child that I saw and say, hey, there's a female on there. And, you know, again, that's what we're accustomed to. We're accustomed to seeing some a male on the cover with gray hair. And uh, but but not in this case. It's you know, it, it's interesting. I, I thought about you the other day. I was at the museum and I, I put it on my Facebook page. I know she didn't comment on it, but uh Remember, I know you love Barbie, but uh, <laughs> there's a there there's a Barbie doll. I don't know if you remember this. They had the Barbie jet, and yes. uh, I actually there was all this memorabilia at this at this show, and, and it had the Barbie jet, and Barbie was out there. But uh, but Barbie actually, what do you think Barbie was doing when you looked at that? She wasn't the pilot. She was she actually was the, the flight, flight attendant. attendant. Yeah. Right, exactly. And so this kind of takes, and now I'm looking at the cover right now, and I see an airplane, I see the captain bars, but it's, it's, it's a female there and it's waving. So that's a bit of a paradigm shift that we haven't, haven't seen that much, especially from the days of the, of the Barbie jet there. And, uh, you know, some, there's, uh, it's interesting that, that you've been able to push that out there and also keep it kind of, kind of like a, a child's book. And, and you're able to do that and make it, make it also very, very female friendly too, or, or girl friendly, you know, with the colors and stuff like that. Have you had any challenges, uh, with this, uh, as far as, you know, when you've been selling this, have you, uh, had any comments, et cetera, or have you had any very positive feedback and you know, what type of feedback are you getting? You know, the feedback is is really amazing, and this is the, my first book uh, that I've ever written, and 
so anything that I say positive about it is going to look, make me look like I'm, you know, patting myself on the back. But I can tell you that uh, we've had it at Oshkosh three years, 10, 11, 12, and we've never gotten any negative comments. The only bad thing anybody has ever said was this guy who visits the booth every year to buy things for his two daughters. He said, he came up to me and he said, my wife hates that book. And I was like, Oh my God, why? And he goes, because my daughters want it read to them over and <laughs> over and over again. And I'm like, if that's, if that's the worst thing you can say about the book, that's pretty good. Oh, that's great. Now you've actually, you are to me, you now this is just me saying this. You are Penelope pilot in my mind. I know you've probably heard that a lot. Um, you, you didn't really mean to do that, but it kind of looks like you on the cover <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. I'm sure you've heard this before. Um, I'm not the only one with that perception, I assume. I, I've heard that several times. And I yeah. made the mistake once of telling, of starting to tell this woman once that I was like, I didn't want her blonde like a Barbie and stuff. And of course, foot and mouth disease. You know, here I am talking to a blonde woman. And I'm like, oh, that's, <laughs> you know, I didn't want, you know. So um, <laughs> I think it just, uh, my my concept of girls with wings is that it, it represents women in different fields of aviation. So if you go to the website, you can see glimpses of a helicopter pilot and an astronaut. And I have some other uh, fields that I would like to cover. But I've developed my concept of all of the girls having different ethnicities and different features and everything like that because I want the girls to be able to identify with the different characters. So well, I think that's really cool, and, and <laughs> you could you could be the character in a book, and, and I think it's it's great that you've reached out to everybody. I mean, it, it, every no matter what walk of life, you know what you know race, religion, whatever you are, I think that you you brought everybody into the fold of aviation, and that's. That's something I wish wish more people would do, uh, especially in this world of aviation. Because, you know, one of the, the the thorn in the sides, one of the things that a lot of us don't like to talk about. It's a bit uncomfortable to mention. Is and you know this, and we we spoke offline about this. When Linda, you know, when you leave the room, and there's a couple of guys hanging out, you know, pilots. That is, sometimes the conversation changes, and uh, I I actually am shocked at some of the comments that I've heard from people uh, about women and about flying because even to this day, you know, I've, I've taught a lot of females. I've worked with a lot of females. It, it, it I've never seen that a difference in any of the pilots, but to this day, you'll still hear uh, some pretty sexist remarks. And I'm, I'm sure you, I'm assuming you know about that. Oh and, yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, you, that must, it, it, I'm sure it makes you feel bad. But, uh, you know, one of the neat things is that you are a voice for, for females and you are somebody that's, that's out there. Actually, you are proving that females are just the same as males in this male-dominated industry, which actually brings me to something else. You, you've, you've actually recently, uh, I think, had a change in, in careers, too. You've uh, started be flying. Uh, what are you doing now? I am actually, uh, well, like you said, I went from the military to the regional airlines to fractional flying. Uh, even went back uh, after getting furloughed from the fractionals and got my CFI, so started that whole gig. And now recently, I've become a corporate pilot. So I'm flying a Citation Ultra for a private owner. <laughs> so, Do you like it. that? What, what, what's, what's that like? I mean, I know we, you really wanted to, to share that, uh, that experience. What, what is that like? Well, I think the interesting thing about corporate flying is there can't be any two jobs exactly alike. So um, one of the things that I did like about the fractional airline, which if you if anybody is not familiar with it, basically what you're doing is it's kind of like a timeshare in a business jet. So for somebody who doesn't or can't buy a whole jet, um, you can buy a share of one, quarter share, 16th of a share, whatever. So sometimes you'll hear the fractionals, flight options, net jets, et cetera, referred to as quarter shares. So um, what I liked about that is it was kind of like the corporate flying for the seven days that I was on. You could do whatever you liked with me, but I also had seven days off. So that was kind of nice, always knowing your schedule uh, way ahead of time. So the difference is, is as a corporate pilot now flying for a private owner, there's not seven days on, seven days off. It's seven days on, followed by seven days on, followed by seven days on. And some of those days I am at home, but I am always on call. So it's a big trade-off. 
And the now you say you're always on call. What what do you mean by that? In other words, is it all like twenty four hours a day? Well, it's it's not like uh, exactly that I'm on a pager or anything like that. Do they even have pagers anymore? Anyways, the, uh, vir- you're yeah. dating yourself there, Linda. <laughs> <laughs> the, the virtual pager. It's not like you know my stuff is packed and I'm in the car ready to go, whatever. But um, if I might get a phone call that we're going to leave a day early, um, or uh, we're already out and and the schedule changes by six hours, or um, for example, if I want to do something next Wednesday, which is normally a day off, uh, I may not end up having it off. So it's been really interesting scheduling dentist appointments and stuff because my schedule might change. But do you you get uh, like vacations and stuff like that when you're a corporate pilot? I'm sure. And again, no two jobs are the same. So um, in fact, I did just talk to my boss about I do want some days off in January and and they were totally open to getting those days covered with a relief pilot. But, um, you know, there's really no contract. There's no seniority list. There's no, um, rest requirements or anything like that. It's, it's a part 91 job. So, um, you have to, you have to be very flexible. You said part 91 that you could theoretically, you could fly 24 hours, right? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's tough. That really yeah. is tough. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was going to say, on the other hand, though, because you're flying for a a, a private owner, unlike, again, one of the fractionals, we would land in Vegas. Well, you know, Vegas being one of the busiest places for corporate aviation, as soon as we land and unloaded some passengers, they'd have another group ready to go out. So those seven days on, you would be hopping around the country the whole time. The advantage of flying a private owner is, is once they get to where they need to go, you're done you know, until they need to go again. So, um, oftentimes what we'll do is, is we'll fly them someplace for the weekend and then we have the weekend off. It's not at home obviously, but we're not working. So do they give you like, uh, I assume you get a hotel room, you get like a car or something. Depends on where we are. We actually go to a couple places so often that we have an apartment there. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. You know, one of the things about corporate flying I think is different than any other type of flying. It seems that you have a more intimate relationship with the people that you fly. With the airlines, uh, they're just a number on a piece of paper, whereas mm-hmm. you actually get to interact on a very personal yeah. level. So you, so you might want to think about that before you go fly with somebody. Can you get along with this person? Because it's not like you can do, you know, suffer through a trip knowing that you're going to fly with somebody else the next time. Um, there's there's only two of us pilots, so no matter what happens, we're together. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny you mention that because I'm see I'm used to if I if I don't like the person I'm working with, every so often that happens. It's uh, it's only four more days, and I don't yeah. have to fly with that person anymore. But uh, you're pretty much you're pretty much stuck there. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, the other interesting thing you said about flying for an individual, and and this is kind of cool. Is that you really, uh, like you said, you go somewhere, you basically go with that person. And say they went somewhere for a week, you're there for a week a lot right. of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, do they ever have you, and I know you've been there for a short amount of time, but uh, do they ever fly you back or something like that if you're, they're going to be there for a long time? Or are you always with the airplane? Um, that hasn't happened yet, but my understanding is, is that's how they're going to work Christmas. Uh, so they can spend it with their family, and then what we'll do is, is we'll fly the airplane back to meet up with our families for the holidays. That's cool. Now, yeah. I, I assume with the corporate, you you don't just, you know, I'm trying to wrap my head around how you get your, uh, like, Cokes and stuff like that, you know, like <laughs> a, a flight attendant. Where's, where does all that come from? Uh, well, in uh, in most business jets, there there is kind of a little galley. There's drawers and, and an ice drawer, coffee pots. So I do a lot of flight attendant duties, although, um, most of the, you know, most of the owners know their airplane well enough. So they say, don't worry about it. We'll get it. Um, and then as far, you know, again, previous jobs, we've, first of all, when I flew for the airline, I was on a 1900. So there was no catering or drinks or, or pleasantries. Um, and then the fractional airlines, we always got crew catering or uh, catering that would be delivered to the airplane. So you don't have that at a corporate job. So we end up a lot of times going to the restaurant and getting takeout or um, going to the grocery store to stock the airplane. So 
there's the um, scope of what you do is a bit wider. You might have to arrange for a rental car or double check the owner's hotel. So there's a lot more responsibility. You know, another thing I've noticed with, with you corporate pilots that, you know, because I, I say you corporate pilots because I, I've only, I did it part-time, didn't do it full-time, is that it seems you get to have this almost, uh, you know, intimate knowledge of your airplane and, and it, it almost becomes like yours. Yes. Uh, you know, have you kind of bonded with the plane yet? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, it's so much easier knowing that the person who flew before you, you know, didn't flip a bunch of switches and I mean, you, and it could also be a negative because you might get a little lax. So every once in a while you get a wake up call like, Oh, uh, I didn't notice that switch wasn't in the right position, but yeah, it really is nice. And again, it's really nice being able to leave stuff on the airplane. Um, if you're, running around on different airplanes, you've always got to take your stuff off. Even flying for the fractionals, if you landed someplace late at night, you might walk out the next day and somebody else took your, you know, spine of Citation 10, might walk out and that, that Citation 10 is gone because some other pilots flew in, theirs broke, and they needed ours. And that, uh, that's kind of uh, important, you know, you get, you get to keep all your stuff on the aircraft and you don't ever lose anything, which is terrific. Mm-hmm. What do you do, like, if you're sick, though? I mean, are there, like, how do they do that? Your two-pilot crew? Do they have, yeah. like, a third? Uh, they, they do have a couple of pilots that they can call on to fill in. So thus far, neither of us have been sick. So it hasn't been a problem yet. But, yes, if, if something happens, and again, like I said, I needed a couple of days off in January, so they've got another pilot that's type rated, and so they'll just bring that that person on and then pay them a day rate for helping out. You know, it, it, that's actually kind of cool too. I I did a little bit of that when I years ago when I was instructing. You know, as a you know the third pilot on a two pilot crew kind of thing, but you know it's few and far between that you actually do get to get a phone call and go out and and fly something really cool like that. Mm-hmm. The uh, now this ultra you're flying. Did you actually have to go out and get your you got your type rating and everything? You had to go to training. I, I already had a type rating in the in the Citation 500 series, so I didn't need to do that. Um, the regulation actually just changed October 12th that I was able to log PIC time. But October 12th, they flipped the switch, and uh, unless I've been to a recurrent training within the last, I don't know if it was a year or two years, but I, I'm, I'm not current as far as the regulations now. So I can no longer log PIC time. So I'm going to have mm-hmm. to wait till March when I go back to class. What, what regulation is that that changed? Is that like uh, it's, a new one? It's an, yeah, it's an FAA regulation. They actually talked about it a couple of years ago, but they gave everybody some time to get caught up and... So uh, just it came into effect on October 12th. You know, another thing I noticed, speaking of regulations, is that a lot of corporate uh, jobs, they have, there's a thing called Part 135, which is basically an on-demand air taxi type thing. They use their airplane under Part 135, I guess, also to have the write-off, et cetera. Have, have you ever, are they thinking about that where you're working now, and, or have you ever had experience with that where they actually had their own airplane, but they also used it under Part 135? They, they've been asked to do that, but they're not going to do it. Just really complicates things. So they're just going to stick to the part 91. Plus it's, it's not all that big of a jet either. So once you get, you know, more than two people in there, you start bumping knees and everything like that. So they're just going to keep it to themselves. Yeah. And I, I know somebody's going through that right now. Boy, it's such a pain to get your 135. You know, you have to go with the, the FA and stuff like that. But, uh, now I think, uh, Len, did you have a question? Yeah, I did. I'm not, I mean, I'm not sure if we're going to get to it at, uh, a little bit later, but I was curious because we did talk about the transition from, uh, Linda, you said you had this type rating. I assume it was from one of your previous jobs. Maybe yes. it was the fractional that uh, that you got that type rating through. Yep. Okay. Um, do you mind spending a, a, you know, a couple of minutes telling us how you went, you know, how did you find a job with a private individual, a private aircraft owner on, you know, on operating part? 91. Um, tell us a little bit how you were to, you know, able to find that sort of uh, an opportunity. Well, actually, the reason I got this job was such a fluke because back last winter when um, I was still doing the flight instructing, uh, I got a phone call. They This operator actually needed a relief pilot um, until they had, they were kind of between the co-captains at that time. And so they asked me if I could fill in. The captain is a guy that I flew with, uh, at one of the fractional jobs. So that's where I got the type rating. We flew the citation twos and fives at this fractional. And then 
he found the job and then brought me on board. Um, the, the pilot that I was you know, when they were waiting for this other pilot to come on, he did not work out. And so when mm -hmm. they let him go, they called me back and said, is this a job you want full time? And I said, yes. Yeah. So uh, again, it really kind of appeared up on my doorstep, but the way to get corporate flying is unfortunately it's a lot of legwork. There's, if you just type in pilot jobs into a Google search, you will get a multitude of different websites that do listings of jobs and you can specify whether you, you know, where you want them and what airframe you want to be on or anything like that. But it, it really is kind of a crapshoot again, especially with corporate aviation. Well, any aviation job, really, let me back up on that. It's who, you know, so you could add your resume to one of hundreds to get a particular flying job, but really, unless you have an in with another pilot or another employee or something, it's, it's pretty hard to pin those jobs down. Yeah. Cause I, you know, when, uh, when you mentioned that I was kind of more curious about from, um, you know, I was going to ask you essentially what resources did you use? So having, yeah, having, having a friend was a nice resource, but I didn't know if there was other things in the meanwhile, had you, you know, when you were looking essentially on Google, were there any particular resources that you were using that might be helpful to the listeners or anybody out there who's looking for information to, to find, you know, uh, kind of opportunities, anything that you had good luck with? Uh, well, some of them were, um, company airplane and then, uh, will fly for food I mean, <laughs> there. I mean, there are just a ton, um, and you really kind of have to look around on them. And then the other one, uh, let me just make sure I can remember the name of it. Yeah. I've um, used will fly for food before. We'll fly for, f yeah, that one, mm -hmm. but uh, I haven't heard the other ones. And, and climb to three five Oh is another one. Yeah. That's um, another familiar one. Yep. Yep. Right. Um, so, and then of course you can use all of the, um, message boards too, to find out the real story about, um, a lot of these different jobs. So that's, it's a lot of legwork. It really is. Right, so, right. so again, I mean, I, I'm sure you have told this to other people that are interested in flying. And again, you can be a pilot just for fun, but if you want to do flying as just a career, I mean, you've got to network, you've got to ask everybody for their business card and stay in touch with everybody because you never know when you're going to need like, Hey, don't you work at Southwest airlines? You know, are you guys hiring kind of thing. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I think what? that's, that's very true. Networking is extremely important. Um, when you, when you say so Len with the, the job that you have now. Yeah. And actually it's kind of funny. I was just, cause one, before the show I was reading, refreshing my memory on, on uh, some of your qualifications, Lyndon, I'm actually at your LinkedIn page and I find that LinkedIn has become quite a interesting resource because aside from aside from like social media and using Twitter and connecting with people there, but to have a profile and people who can endorse you and people that you've met and this kind of you're making connections on more of a uh, you know this professional system here, I find that for me, uh, you know, LinkedIn has has become an interesting way to connect with people uh, all over the aviation industry. I, I've got you know, people from pilots to CEOs of all kinds of interesting companies out here that actually, you know, when I'm, when I'm looking for resources and content or people that I'm curious about interviewing, it's not uncommon for me to browse through my connections at LinkedIn. So, uh, those, those, those are, I think that's a pretty good tool for networking. Have you found that that's, uh, you know, what, have, what are your thoughts on that actually? Cause we're, we're connected on LinkedIn. Yeah. Well, um, LinkedIn, unfortunately, didn't <laughs> come about until halfway through my pilot career. So um, when I was done with the military, I got my regional airline job because of an Air Inc. conference. Remember those? Oh, Air I remember Inc? Air Inc., yeah. Yeah. So um, and I, the, I actually was there, and I was with a friend who was seriously looking. I was still in the military, but um, I was... Um, walking around with her just to keep her company and met somebody who had also flown C-12s in the army and he was recruiting for a Beach 1900 job and he said, I'm not going to let you go until you agree to interview with me. And I'd only meant to do it for a little while, but um, with 9-11, I ended up being there for several years. So, and then um, flight options, I actually got the job because of a guy who was in my National Guard unit. I think net jets I got on my own. Um, but, uh, yeah, a lot of times it's just who, you know, 
Mm-hmm. And well, and that works on the reverse too. Let me say that um, you also need to be careful about who you're not friendly with and make sure because <laughs> that person could do the reverse to you. Yeah, so yeah. A good case in this industry to keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Yeah, don't right. burn don't burn any bridges in aviation. I'll, I'll tell you that much. Right. You, you know that you guys are talking about the LinkedIn and social media and that type of thing. You know, Linda, you're involved in a lot of different things outside of work. And I, you know, for instance, all these interview interviews you've done, your the social media, your books, et cetera. Um, I could imagine that possibly some employers might have an issue with some of the things you might do in social media or those things outside of work. Have you ever had any type of challenges or issues there? Um, well, I think most of the stuff that I do, I shouldn't be embarrassed about unless you've heard something that has gotten out. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not I, making you paranoid. I'm not that it hasn't done something embarrassing. It's just not that it hasn't gotten out yet. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, and that's one of the things, unfortunately, with calling your organization girls with wings, it often gets misconstrued as girls as in girls, girls, girls with lots of explanations exclamation points. So, um, no, we don't deal with any of that. Um, but, uh, I, I think the question I most often get asked, especially since I started the nonprofit is how is this going to interfere with this full-time job? And so I'm always able to say I've done it in addition to all of the jobs that I've had and it's not interfered. So it's not been a problem. So that's something I guess that would be advice for people out there is that you you better know what you're going to say yeah. uh, when people ask that question, you know, if you and, do have outside interest. Yeah, and you do have a lot of downtime as a pilot usually. So, you know, I mean, you can get really caught up in, in uh, I don't know, football scores or something like that, or or you can hopefully create an outside interest for yourself that when you do get furloughed, not if, when, you know, you have a backup plan. <laughs> You know, the, well, let's, I want to talk a little more about social networking, but one thing I, I want to touch on before I go there and, and talk, go back to the corporate flying is, is something that I hear a little bit too often, and uh, I wish I had a penny for every time I heard this, is that, you know, airline flying I'd rather do because you know about corporate flying. There's no way you can get those jobs unless you know somebody, and it's, it's impossible. And I was like, gosh, I don't think that's true because everybody knows somebody. Mm-hmm. And and you you have a brother or sister, an uncle or somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody type of thing. You just I think what you said you have to learn how to network. What I mean, what would you say to somebody like that who says, "Gosh, there's no way I can get a corporate job." Well, you've got to get out there. I mean, if you expect to be able to sit on your computer and and get a job, that's when it gets tough. You you got to go to the conferences and you've got to talk to the folks at the air shows and, and everything and and just meet those people. I I am I mean case in point where I have talked to a lot. Well, the first time I went to Sun and Fun, I went there by myself, not knowing a single soul. And immediately it was like walking into a big group hug because all of these people that I had met on Twitter all showed up at Sun and Fun. And those people I'm still very good friends with today. And I have asked them for a lot of favors to get me um, interviews or make contact with somebody else. So it's always six degrees of separation. And I think even less than that, there's always somebody that you meet no matter in what capacity that again, like you said, might the brother or the sister or or may not even be another pilot, but you know, may have an administrative job at the place that you want to work at. So you really do have to get out there and, and mingle. And and I think that's, that's a great idea because uh, you, you can mingle in person, which I think is really important. But but even online, I mean, I've actually found that I've made friends of a friend, and I haven't actually met this person yet, but that person helped me tremendously move forward in something I was doing in my career, and we finally met up later, but we were able to develop this, you know, this friendly relationship online. Uh, but just having that personal contact, I think, is really important. I think that's something that everybody should be able to take away is 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 really start networking. But on the other hand, on this, just let's get into you know the, the negatives of social networking. Uh, it can go from slightly embarrassing to to downright to uh, you know you you could get yourself into a lot of trouble and possibly get fired from your job uh, doing some some silly things on social networking. You know I you know I had an embarrassing moment uh, not long uh, you don't know but in our last episode I said something about a tiara and I was wearing a tiara and a tutu. <laughs> 
Well, <laughs> unfortunately, I have an a uh, how should I say? I'm an old friend, and I uh, we were out having a few beers by the pool, and I someone brought a tiara, and I had it on in the pool, and I was swimming around. Someone took a picture, and of course, that picture winds up where on Facebook, <laughs> and that one of those more embarrassing moments. And I know, Len, you're out there looking for it right yeah, now. Yeah, right. I'm <laughs> typing. Wait, wait. Don't, don't. <laughs> what do we search for? Hang on. Carl Valeri uh, no. tiara. Carl Valeri tiara. <laughs> no, I think I got rid of it, but you know what? Uh, I, I should not have said that. God, can we get rid of that part? The, <laughs> yeah, I, pro I promise we'll edit it out. Wink, yeah, wink. yeah, thanks. You know, it is it is so true, and I will tell you another real life example of that is Girls with Wings gives away scholarships every year, and one of the things I have a extensive scholarship application process that I have people go through, and a lot of it is is I want the scholarship recipients to agree to be model for future girls with wings. So one of the things that I do is I friend them on Facebook and I have more than once um, uh, disallowed, disqualified somebody from receiving a scholarship because of the stuff that they put on Facebook. So because it, it's just not, um, it doesn't contribute to being a good role model. So whatever you put on the internet, it's yeah. permanent. I don't care if you just share it with your friends, somebody's going to see it, you know? Yeah, and that that's that's very important. You know, we I've known a few friends have said things on social media and, and gotten themselves in trouble. And boy, you you really you do. You need to watch that because you you could you could lose your current job or you could just uh, you know become radioactive and, and not be able to to do anything there afterwards just for a certain a stance you take. Even you know, I find also politics or anything like that. I mean, just. You know, keep that. Try. I try to keep that as much to myself, you know, as I can. But you know, every so often you might make a comment, and then what happens is, say, you know, you you might alienate half. Say, you believe on one side of the issue, and other half the people believe another side. You've just alienated those other people, and now that person may not hire you, even though they, you know, that that'll be in the back of their heads. So. You kind of you have to be careful that you do have to live, but you just have to be kind of careful. The the thing with the social media though that um, one of the things you said about friending people, I think that's important that you you really be careful who you friend. I know I've made some mistakes there, uh, friending some people and and have said certain things that really were kind of nasty on 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 my uh, wall, I guess, or or even Twitter and uh, those type of things. So you you really have to be careful, even if it's not true. Mm -hmm. uh, they might say something just to attack you, say, or they don't want you to say get a job, and they'll say, "Oh, this person's a horrible pilot. Yeah. Don't hire this person." You know that type of thing. Right. Uh, so that that those type of things you have to watch. You know who your real friends are. So, uh, but anyway, the uh, getting back here to the to your book, we we don't have much more time left here, but I want I want to touch on another thing that you you know you talked about in this uh, the Huffington Post article, which I thought was really good and just. Uh, they're, they're, uh, let's see, what was the title? It was, yeah, the sky's the limit. And I think, I think that that personifies your life is the fact that, uh, you really do teach people that the sky is the limit, that, that people can move forward. But one of the things that, that you've done, I think you've inspired people to actually move forward and especially women pilots in, in the field of aviation. Now you're one person, um, you know, what else can we do? As as a group, what can you do? What can I do to better either promote aviation for uh, women or grow that population? Because it's still underrepresented right now. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's getting better. We have an increase in um, the female population as far as student pilots. But you could support an organization like oh, I don't know, Women of Aviation Week, where uh, <laughs> they. Um, you know, it, it helps to get out there to talk to people. Um, you know, if you're on your flight, you know, you can talk to people, but you're still representing the male pilot figure. Well, you know, get out to events like Victoria is sponsoring and actually get the girls and women into airplanes. Um, we do, Girls with Wings does an aviation inspiration day each year in Minneapolis, and we follow the presentation that I do teaching girls about flying and have them go out and now get into an airplane. And the pilots that we have, unfortunately, most of the time, they're usually male. Um, they were kind of reluctant at the beginning to make this special effort just for girls. You know, they do young eagle flights all the time, and they've, they do, they're not trying to discriminate based on gender, but the pilots 
the feedback that I've gotten from the pilots after the presentation that I give to the girls at this event, they said it was amazing because, you know, you can sit there and tell a girl that she can be a pilot, but you have to be able to show her. And so you talk about, you bring it up, you mention that, yes, this is something that you can do and then give her a chance at the controls and let her fly. It's so important. And you know that that is true. That's very important that people realize that they can do it. That these young girls realize that. And you know, you you have a resource that thinks really cool. Uh, the I can't say enough about your website because first of all, it's aesthetically pleasing, and I love the picture you have on. The, you really got to check out the picture of the girlswithwings.com. That's an awesome shot with you. You should leave that up there next to I think a 172, and you have three girls with you in your uniform, and uh, just a great smile. Everybody's real happy, and it it, just, it says a lot that picture. Uh, uh, and, and girls with wings because, uh, you know, dreams can take flight, you know, they, uh, they but they need they need to have flight plans. And, that, and that's uh, one of the things that you do is you help people with this website make a plan towards flying. But, you know, one of the other things that I've done uh, with this website, Linda, is that not I work with a lot of people that are getting into uh, jobs as far as mechanics are concerned. I actually have them go here and check this out, too, because there's a lot of females that also want to become mechanics. And that's another industry that's underrepresented and and they really do find inspiration in this and I I think this is this is a terrific site so if they if they want to find out about you if you want if, if the listeners here want to be inspired or have somebody they want to inspire uh, a young female or any female uh, going into aviation whether it's flying primarily obviously on the website but anything I think they should go to girlswithwings.com and that's the best way to I'd assume to get in touch with you right Linda yes and actually I did want to clarify it, it's it's uh if you go to the website, we have two pages of role models on there with almost 90 different role models, and they're not all pilots. Some of them are, but we also have mechanics and air traffic controllers and a lot of different um, possible aviation careers on there. So, yeah, we, we try to represent all fields of aviation and, and let everybody know what their possibilities can be. Plus, you asked how you could help. Again, the Penelope pilot book that we've talked about, we – as Girls with Wings, what we want to do is we want to offer people that maybe don't have a child that can receive the book. They don't have um, children or grandchildren that might be able to receive the book. If somebody is willing to donate the book to their local school or library, we will donate the shipping. So if you if you buy the Penelope Pilot Book for $15.95, we'll ship it to the library of your choice. And, and we will also um, uh, refer to you as the person who donated the book to the library. So you can have an effect on maybe not just one or two children, but every child that visits that library. Well, you know, I, I tell you, I'm glad you brought that up. The, one, the, the thing you said about the role models, because one cool thing that you've done, and I hope you leave this the same, is when you click on role models on girlswithwings.com, there's tons of faces that come up. And and you know what? There There's nothing that, that says that, you know, there's lots of women in aviation, then a whole sea of pictures of women in aviation, not just flying airplanes, but also, you know, like you said, they're they're working in many different types of jobs, mechanics, et cetera, military pilots, you know, everything that's involved in aviation. And that that's pretty inspiring. I, and I, I love that right there. And I think you've done done a terrific job with this. And before we do close, I do want to say one other thing. And and I uh you know, we just had our Veterans Day come up, and I know that uh, you have served, and I really, you know, it's it's people like you and the people in the service uh, that I really appreciate, and you know, I just want to thank you for your service because you know you you help us sleep better at night. Thank you, Carl. <laughs> well, that's all I have you. for for that, and and I do appreciate your coming on. Uh, Len, you had something? No, I was just I was jumping on to thank Linda as well. We do appreciate having you on the show today. You know, there's a uh, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of different things that we get to share and, uh, you know, to the, the new perspective of these new opportunities that you've, you've, uh, discussed with us today. We definitely appreciate having you on the show. Once again, thank you, Linda, for joining us here today on the Stuck Mike Avcast. Thank you. The after landing checklist. And, uh, Oh, um, I don't know if Carl, no, I don't think we got to it, but do you have any other contact methods like uh, Twitter or Facebook that you wanted to uh, throw out there real fast? Well, the website is girlswithwings.com, and we're on Facebook. We've got uh, not only the Girls With Wings page, but we've also got the Girls With Wings Pilot Shop, where you can buy all of our merchandise, and then a Penelope Pilot page 
as well, just for the girls. And then, of course, I'm on Twitter at Girls with Wings. Okay, great. Well, uh, we do certainly appreciate having you on today. Uh, Victoria, let's, uh, I haven't heard from you in a while. Tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you. You can get all my contact info off my blog at toriaflies.blogspot.com. Mr. Felty. Yes, um, R. Felty on Twitter, R.D. Felty on YouTube, and rotationspeed.com. Carl. And you can find me at expertaviator.com with all my contact info and also, of course, aviationcareerspodcast.com. That's right. And I'm on Twitter at Len Costa. Um, from myself, Len Costa, Carl Valeri, Rick Felt, Victoria Zyko, and our special guest today, Linda Meeks. We uh, certainly appreciate having you on the show again. And thank you all for tuning into this episode, episode number 37 of the Stuck Mike Avcast. And we wish you guys all clear skies and calm winds. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Avcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Avcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast brought to you by thepilotreport.com, a Len Costa Production.